From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. And uh, we are indeed in the Hill Country in Texas, not far from where our guest lives. I've driven through that state, great state of Oklahoma. Patrick Timpone. Uh, sorry, you know, this is, I don't know what's going on. I just, um, it was a really trip. I did a sauna last night, about 9 o'clock. I do one every night. Did my sauna. It was fine. And um, woke up this morning at about 7 o'clock, and I was completely soaked. I mean, my whole bed, sheets, everything, soaking wet. So I went through some kind of great detox. I always love detoxing. It's I don't believe in you know disease thing, man. We're just always working it out. So this is part of it, and I'm probably gonna have even a nicer voice when this is over. So I mean, hey, I you know I'm into it. We're gonna talk with a doctor, an actual naturopathic doctor. His name is Sherwood, Doctor Sherwood, and he's in the great state of Oklahoma. And Doctor Sherwood, you're a naturopathic doc, right? And and you're running you're running for governor. I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, it's crazy politics. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you having me, Patrick. Um, yes, um, as I was sharing with you before coming on live, um, I definitely thought about this from different angles. I, I just sensed a you know a call of God in my life to be obedient to the the direction, the uh-huh. admonition. It wasn't about winning or losing. It was about the answer to the question: Are you willing to step up and and uh, allow your you, you know allow me to be used by him? And so I said yes, and we've been progressing at this thing for about nine months now. And so you're talking about the abortion uh, issue? Um, well, yeah, the abortion issue has been a centerpiece of our campaign. Um, obviously, it's personally very important to my life for a lot of different reasons. I know we'll get into. But um, it's it's a significant thing in our world right now. It's a big discussion, talking point. Yes, and, uh, it's hurt. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell us about you. Have a story about your mom. Uh, went through a pregnancy long ago. What happened? Yeah, I'm adopted. So um, it's good to know. I was born uh, in 1964 uh, in September. And my mother, who I got to meet later in life, which was really a cool experience. Oh, really? She's gone on to be with yeah, she's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I got to spend, you know, four or five years with her, and it was really a, probably a healing experience, literally for both of us, you know. Uh, she actually uh, kept my baby blanket, right? And oh. so she kept it all those years with the hope she would see me. And you talk about touching when you get that. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming because a lot of times we as men, don't literally understand what it means to to bear children and what that means and and even you know some people that will look at a lady and they don't know the the uh, the missing link that's there the missing piece of even giving up someone for adoption even abortion right and so uh, my mom she was um, 16 barely and um, I wanted another story right so this is what she tells me she goes to a party and uh, whether there's alcohol or whatever, she's out. She's passed out. Wow. And doesn't remember anything as wow. far as any sort of encounter. And turns out that my father is a 19 going on 20-year-old man who came um, over from leave in the Vietnam conflict. And so they discover she's pregnant. And then there was this meeting of the two families, and they discovered and discussed three options 
uh, do we pool our resources and raise this child? Mm-hmm. Do we um, gather our resources and go off and get an abortion? Because you could do it in those days. It wasn't permissible, but you could. Or do we allow this child to have an opportunity with another family through adoption? And uh, Patrick, they picked option three, and I'm grateful. Uh, but mm. the point of that story is this, two points. Number one, no life is a mistake. We're all on purpose, and there's all a purpose for each. Number two is that that would fit a definition and an acceptable idea in many people's eyes these days okay. that abortion is okay. spot on on point. Mm. Right. Again, I just I know that life is not an accident at all, and I believe life begins at God before it is conceived on earth. And I evidence that by Jeremiah one five. It says, "I knew you before you were created in your mom's womb." So it's very important to me, very personal. I never realized that my life, conception, birth, the whole bit, would be in the place it's in right now. I never realized it, and I look back on it and I say, "Wow, you know, it's just it's almost surreal." How, how did you find your mom? How did you find her? Yeah, this was an interesting story, wow. and thank you for asking. Nobody asked me that. So, <laughs> yeah. one day, I my my this is a tragedy turned into a victory. My adoptive mom, right? And and again, I'll preface this, Patrick, with the idea that pain, literal pain, you go through physically, emotionally, spiritually, is sometimes the greatest teacher of all. Right? It, you learn something from it. My um, adoptive mom. She actually committed suicide in 2002. Wow. And, uh, it was hard. The hardest, wow. hardest day of my life having wow. to um, wow. go to the scene and be there by myself. And then, because uh, I'm the only kid, right? And I have to tell my dad, whose wife of 47 years is gone. And, you know, that is just a, a tough day. And um, that's a tough time. And cleaning out her things, right? My dad has not been the same since he's still alive, but he still struggles with life. Um, and cleaning out our things one day, and this is, uh, putting me forward a couple years later in a box, right? I see this birth certificate and the birth certificate was, had a name on it, Michael Keith. And it has a last name. Let's leave that out right now, but it had my name on it. Right. And I thought, well, that's not my name, but whose name is that? And then I thought, Maybe that's my name, pre-adoption. And so I thought, well, that's wild. I knew I was born in Tulsa. So literally, go to the phone book and find the last name, boom, that matches the last name on the birth certificate. Make a phone call. It's my maternal grandparents' number. Wow. Wow. Is that not crazy? Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That's how it happened. Mark Sherwood is Dr. Mark Sherwood is yeah yeah yeah. Um, <clears throat> so obviously I don't obviously, but I was suspecting you're Christian, right? Yes. And um, so, in your opinion, because of your religion, then um, there would never be a case, uh, Dr. Sherwood, where an abortion would be okay, because you're killing. A, you are killing a soul in a body. I mean, we just, we know it is, right? And we know it's living. Yeah, yeah I mean, even people that um, are against or, or, or for the idea of abortion, let's right. just go there. And right. I appreciate people's opinion, so I don't, 
I don't bash them. I honor them. I appreciate that opinion. But in reality, they, because they value their own opinion, they're supportive of abolishing abortion because it could have been them. You see where I'm going with that. And so this is simple logic and rational behavior. But there are such things, Patrick, as um, ectopic pregnancies that occur. Uh, there are such a things as, uh, you know, these uh, birth or tragedies that occur and you're trying to save a life. I mean, sure, there's these times that come up where a doctor's just doing his best to save lives, you know? And I, I think that is the scope of what they do. But that's the medical profession doing what they do. But for people to take on the ability to determine is this life, soul, being going to have a chance or not, I don't think that's mankind's job. I think mankind is supposed to understand that life is not an accident. Every human being that has an appointment with a pro or con, you know, they're not an accident. I respect them and I honor them. At the same time, life is valuable. And even the very people that oppose, you know, the abolition or even regulation of abortion, man, they're, they're actually in the same team I am. They just don't realize it yet. <laughs> So, what do you make of the um, um, this leak of Roe v. Wade thing? Uh, you know, there's something not right with this. You know, yeah, somebody leaked this thing right on purpose, right? What's your opinion? Yeah, what do you think's going on? I saw that when I saw that come out, Patrick. Um, it seemed like to me a tactical leak, um, not a, a an accidental, but a tactical and even intentional leak. This is my my intuition. My discerner was telling me that because you got midterms coming up, right? And midterms coming up are very important for at least two parties in our two party system. And this um, volatility in this particular midterm election cycle is probably the height that we haven't really seen in our lifetimes. Um, and there's so much at stake. And so I suspect this was a leak to generate a distraction, to generate an attention to an agenda against anyone that would oppose in any form or fashion what one side deems as women's rights. And so it's right at a time of midterms. And I don't think that is a coincidence. Um, uh, in your intuition, political, um, uh, you think it's going to come out soon? Uh, the, uh, confirming the leak? I, I, I don't know, oh, but don't. I do hope so. I do hope so. that um, Because ultimately, if that's the Supreme Court's opinion, that they're going to reverse an opinion that I believe is a wrong opinion, if they do what I believe is the right thing to do, it will come out, and that's good. But we should understand that this has always been a state issue. They're not giving it back to the states. It's never been a federal issue. It never was a law. It was an opinion that we allowed to shape the culture of these United States and shape the culture and practices of different states within these United States within this union. And so it's going back to the states now, conceivably, where it's always been and never left, my hope is that it's an opportunity for the states to truly act with the sovereignty with which they operate and do the right thing. 
Oh, so you're a, you're a states' rights guy. Yeah, Tenth Amendment guy. Yes, sir. Good for you. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I wonder, um, uh, being being a libertarian myself, um, <clears throat> um, I mean, do we ever want government to tell us which we should do or not do? Ever? I mean, or, or are we yeah. talking about actually um, killing someone? I mean, is that, is that where you could be okay with a, even the state telling you you can't do something? Well, like, for example, like the Tenth Amendment of the United States Constitution is clear. Yeah. You know, states and the people retain the power unless they specifically give that power up to the federal government. We never did that, obviously. So the states have their own capitals and their own governors and their own, um, you know, this bi-cabinet legislature, the Senate and the House, and they have their own rules and laws. A lot of states right now, as an example, uh, marijuana is a federal crime, but it's legalized in the states because the states choose to do that. No. Um, mm. Now, having said that, we have a dual-edged sword here going on. We need, need to recognize that. We must believe that murder is murder and killing is killing that's that's the hardcore thing some people unfortunately don't see that patrick they want to categorize it well the murder is okay over here murder is okay murder is murder life is lost right so i believe that is a a, a moral compass a ten commandment a guide that was the guide of the formation and foundation of the constitution which lays out our rights in other words, the Constitution doesn't give us rights. God gives us the rights that are defined in the Constitution. And so because of that, we have a right to life. Now, my biggest concern right here is the dual-edged sword I'm talking about. That one state over here, in this case, Oklahoma, will do the right thing. And we will say, you know, we believe that abortion is murder and we'll treat it as such in state statutes and we will abolish it. Another state could take this to the extreme and say, you know, we want to allow full-term abortions and even full-term plus a week abortions, murders. And that's okay with us. My biggest concern is that's what will happen. You'll see this bifurcation of this, these United States. You'll see a, a more uh, murderous heart over here and a less murderous heart over here. Um, and that itself will indeed split this nation apart. Even more than it is now. Even more. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's maybe, what I see happening. Yeah, maybe that's where we're going. Um, we're going to be Oklahomans and Texans and Floridians, and not you know you not United States citizens. You know, would you? Well, would you, would you, you know, be okay you with that? The, would you be okay with that? I would, because you go back to the idea of the colonies, right? These thirteen colonies, Patrick, were individual colonies, almost like individual no. countries. They had. Um, they had kind of their own denominations, you know, within these these particular colonies. Right. Before they were states, they were colonies. And so this was like individual countries. And we have that concept here. That's why when we use the term the United States, that's kind of a misnomer because it's actually these United States oh. because that's where the structure was in there. And these, these United States. These, yeah, these United States. And the states created the federal government. It wasn't the other way around. And so the <laughs> states gave the federal government you know narrow very narrow rights that said you can deal with treaties with other countries you know you can uh, sort of handle disputes with the states and you can uh, you can 
sort of deal with uh, border security and military protection, but they have done a, a miserable job at all those things. And so, and it's probably because we've given them too much power that they were never intended to have, right? So that's kind of the way the structure is laid out. But I do think that eventually we're going to have to, mindset-wise, secure the borders of states once again so that we understand the sovereignty they're in of the states and even the counties, like the county sheriff is a very important piece to this puzzle. Right, yeah. Yeah, we've had... um some sheriffs on, and uh, <clears throat> they are king of the castle, aren't they? In, in their, yes, sir. In their counties, boy. But then, yep. um, um, uh, uh, I, I can't imagine though the feds coming in and invading Oklahoma because they don't no. they don't like their abortion stance. <laughs> I mean, not going to happen, is it? No, I think you're right about that. I think once the states, whatever state it does, does that, which I believe is going to be Oklahoma. Um, you're going to get, it's going to be mostly negative media and mostly um, a lot of litigation put at the state. You're going to get the, the media pressure because the media is kind of controlled by sure. negative forces, as you know, yeah. better than I yeah. uh, But I do not see uh, at all the um, feds trying to send any sort of uh, militaristic or even governmental force into the states because that clearly is is tyranny right at that point and then we as a state would have one responsibility at that point to defy the tyranny which is the purpose of the second amendment that we have the constitution you know we have to you know you got to defend your home your rights your property your family we we have and that's why you know you look at well, why didn't the Japanese go ahead and climb aboard and do a land invasion back in the war? Because it was because of that Second Amendment. You know, it would have been a massacre because it's not just the military you're dealing with. You're dealing with the citizens. And we citizens of these United States have those unalienable rights that should be guarded and protected with our life if need be, which is the story of our founding fathers. And people conjecture that's what kept Hitler out of uh, Aust- uh, the Switzerland, right? Because they, yes, they, exactly. the they all had guns. They all had guns. He wasn't going. You got there. people with guns. Like, look what's happening in Australia, and look what's happening in Canada. I know. Yeah. I mean, just clearly, when you take away the Second Amendment rights, you can't defend your First Amendment rights as as a principle. Um. So if if the Roe v. Wade thing comes out as most people think it's going to be would it be incumbent upon um, uh, uh, places like Oklahoma where you're running, running for governor to pass something or could, would you just leave it like it is you'd have to pass something some kind of law well since Roe v. Wade was an opinion and not a law each states have passed a variety of laws on the issue and subject of abortion like in Oklahoma we have over 200 laws on the books that deal with various aspects, phases of abortion. But we still have abortions. 200? Uh, wow. 200. And like you've heard a lot about the Texas heartbeat law, and Oklahoma has another one mimicking that that will be signed very soon, we believe. Uh, again, that does not prohibit abortions. So to your point, yes, you would want to have one law that abolishes them, 
and you know leave it at that and that would supersede or really go above the rest of them and that would make the um, mm. this thing dealt with and buttoned up tight at the state level and is the idea then that uh, people in Oklahoma can vote for the legislature uh, uh, and they'll get more of a of what they want uh, that's, yeah that's the idea uh, of states right yeah, so, you know, we as citizens of these United States, you know, we live in counties and districts and all of this where we have representatives. And our job as citizens is to vet, ask questions of the potential candidates for various representatives, whether it be Senate or uh, House of Representatives. And so our job is to uh, seek the best person and put them into place in these various chambers so that they can represent again, represent the people that they are running for. And so what happens is, though, many times they get in there and it they, they lose ties, they lose connections, they get corrupted by a system that's become more elitist, more um, money-dominated, big government-dominated, and less people. And so that happens transitionally over time, and then you get a representative in there that doesn't, A, know the Constitution, uh, B, doesn't know their own party's platform stances. And frankly, that's what we have right now. And that's where we get the term uh, rhino, you know, Republican in name only. Right. Well, how many out there have actually read the Republican or GOP platform stance? So, again, I have, I've got mine, my 2020 Oklahoma GOP platform stance, which I freely give to people uh, on our website, and I carry it around with me. Because I want to know what I'm supposed to do. And I want to know how best to represent the people of the state of Oklahoma. And so that's how it's supposed to work. You know, the legislature is supposed to legislate, uh, make laws. The governor is supposed to execute the laws. And the judicial system is supposed to interpret the laws. And, and, and that's the way it's supposed to work. But, boy, we have gotten so far away from that that the people's voice, I'm afraid, Patrick, has been very much silenced. And I truly want to see um, freedom ring again by way of the voice of we the people singing again, if you get my drift. Yeah. So do you have uh, um, you have a real beef with the current governor? Um, do, you, do you differ a lot from him? Yeah, we do. Oh, um, do. Again, I respect uh, the individual person, and I would never attack the character of another human being. Uh, however, our views are quite opposite. Number one, uh, and I would have never locked anybody down. I would have never mandated anything. I don't believe you can do that. I believe that that is a violation of the First Amendment rights. You you can't, the church could never be touched by the government because the government needs to stay out of church. And yet they invoked themselves in there and the church didn't know any better. They, they bowed down. So that was a mistake. I'm talking all churches, all religions. Um, I would absolutely secure our borders via the Tenth Amendment. You don't have to ask the federal government for permission. So we have a diametrically opposed viewpoint there. And in Oklahoma, we have unique issues um, that are unique, as in every state. We have more land purchased by the Chinese Communist Party under the guise of legalized marijuana in Oklahoma really? than wow. any other state in these United States. Wow. We have four times more marijuana permits sold in the state of California. And the Chinese Communist Party, using that ruse, 
is becoming a mm -hmm. major hub of weapons trafficking, drug trafficking, and sex trafficking. And you know from where you're at, coming right up 35, right into mm -hmm. and across up to north. And so we're becoming a hub of this um, criminal element, and it's running right our nose. And me being former law enforcement, I'm like, time out. <laughs> I can't good. have that. Let's figure it out, and let's get that criminal element out of our state and back to where they come from. Do you think you have a chance to win this governor thing? I do. You do know, you? we came um, probably when we began this campaign last August, right? Um, nobody had heard of us. No one. And they, they kind of dismissed you as like fly by night. But Patrick, we have nobody's outworked us. We've been all over the state. We have an incredible grassroots movement. Um, we went from persons that were never included in any poll never included in any discussion to now included in every poll and included in every discussion in every poll that i've ever observed we've been number two in every poll except for one which we were number one in rural part of a rural part of the state wow. um, hmm. there is a chance now that i'm seeing with this current governor there's a lot of scandals going on um which uh, and i'm not happy about the individual person I struggling yeah. i want to make sure yeah. but yeah. it's just uh -huh. one thing after the other with um you know, investigations and lawsuits and um, questionable business dealings and uh, big time legal issues potentially. And so the approval rating is, is sinking fast and our approval rating is climbing fast. So the primary is coming on June 28th. So we do have a chance. Oh, so, uh, so it's you and how many people in the primary? How many people? In the there primary? are four. Um, and again, I, my observations I've the other candidates I've never met them uh, but uh, they don't appear to me to be quite as active as we are and there's not as much momentum and you can feel momentum I mean I, I know I'm talking about it but it's, it's true we have momentum and I'm grateful with that and it's real hmm. uh, uh, is how big is the abortion thing in Oklahoma it's a big deal you think it's a big deal. Um, Oklahoma is a predominantly uh, Judeo-Christian value-oriented state, much like Texas, you know, and um, it's very similar to Texas in, in demographics, geographics, where you have the larger cities tend to be more populous and edging more to the left, right? And then the rural uh, cities, country, they're very heavily to the right. So there's a lot of interest in abortion here in Oklahoma, much like Texas. And, and I think the overall majority of the citizenry, once educated about things we talked about today um, and hear the voice be heard, I, I do believe that they want abortion to end. So um, uh, the, the lefty commies, <laughs> Marxists, they're getting into the cities in Oklahoma yep. too, right? They are. How do they work? Uh, how do they warm their way in there, man? It's crazy how they do that. Well, there's a couple of ways they do it, and this is a strategy that the um, the, the socialist agenda wants to do. They they will in, infuse these big tech businesses into cities, right, into these large populous cities under the idea that we're trying to create jobs. And they'll fool the people because it's, a, it's an, an agenda <clears throat> that has a culture within the workplace a very left-oriented. So the culture in the workplace will begin to shape the workers in that 
culture and they become large employers as employers uh, the employees begin to have families and so it infuses this population into the workplace because they can pay more money and so the big cities tend and the metro areas tend to go like this and get bigger and the rural areas tend to get smaller so it actually is a, as a sucking principle it pulls it away from the the rural areas and lays them out because we're not creating any jobs out there but we're bringing all the attention to the big city and then if you get big city a lot of votes a lot of representation elections can be won for example in your state austin san antonio houston dallas you win those four areas and you might win the whole election but you didn't win the popular county-wide individualized county vote yeah we we've done some shows on uh, agenda 21 and uh they're pretty good at it. it's a u.n operation right and they get in there and uh give them money and school boards too right they go into school boards too yeah totally the um <laughs> you know you look at like board of regents that are appointed by government officials into uh universities well they select the president they set the agenda and a lot of these um the woke culture is in the universities well universities train people to put them into those jobs i just talked about so you can see where that's happening and then you think about the the lower end of the spectrum the schools right schools take federal money if you take federal money you get federal guidelines so the schools now are teaching children that it's okay for you patrick all of a sudden today you're a boy tomorrow if you feel like you can be a girl and then you can come back again in three days if you want to and i'm not playing making light of that but that's very sad because the gender is determined uh, really uh, in the birth process in the conception process by God himself and that doesn't change it's not a mistake right <laughs> probably not no <laughs> not the last time I checked I know no. I know a lady who ran for uh, and won a school board for Dripping Springs but uh, uh, she she said that they were getting money at the school board level to mask yeah. up the kids yeah, schools crazy. in general. Yeah, man. It, it's sad, man. Schools in general to um, inflict that emotional punishment and indoctrination on those children is, is is I mean, I believe everything can be forgiven, but that's borderline unforgivable. <laughs> you are changing and transitioning a whole generation, a whole lineage, mm. and, and that's what we're happening right now. And I'm concerned, Patrick, that we may have lost a whole generation over this last two years of nonsensical um well let's call it what it is fear porn it's been fear 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 control control and it's been putting us down so much that now we're so dependent on federal government information and financing before you go um it's been great fun talking to you sorry i've been able to talk uh what was it in your life here you're an adopted kid how were you able to be awake and not woke i mean what happened what was it your mom must have had something going on god love her you know yeah i don't know you know i think it's a combination of things i think being an adopted kid i, I had a i grew up in a small town right so that helped me with small town values and um there was something in me patrick that you just i mean i never was you know. like um the best um at anything but i i wanted to be the best at everything so there was a there was a drive in me to uh, excel and when i was told i couldn't that motivated me 
motivated me that I could. When I was told you won't, I told myself you will. <laughs> and it's it's been that kind of a journey all of my life, and it's been one that has given me a special empathy for perhaps people that are uh, less fortunate, mm. that are bullied, picked on, let down, forgotten. And I want to stand up for them. I want to stand up with them. I want to stand up with them so that our voices, the people's voices, can be heard. But I believe that that's the backbone of our nation. It's the backbone of the foundation from which we stand. And and that's been a drive of mine to uh, hmm. a call to rally the troops, you know, to motivate people to get going. And I'm not just motivating them to stand back and say, you go do it. No, I leave from the front. I've always been like that. And I want people to come out and stand shoulder to shoulder with me and let's get our country back because it's not going to be given back. You have to take it back. You know, it doesn't feel like there's a um, political or judicial solution to the madness in Washington, D.C. Am I being too uh, negative there? I mean, it, these people are bonkers, and uh, it's almost like they got to implode before they wake up or something. I, what do you think? Yeah, I do. I think the, um, the wake-up for them, and I'm going to use a, a metaphor with this, the wake-up for them is a big slap across the face by a state that steps up and says, you will not do that here. It's going to be the, the, the big brother, which is the people in the states, stepping up to the little brother and saying, you need to behave yourself. We're the parents. You're the child. And when we do that, it will be like the bully got his hand slapped and the bully will back down. But the bully won't back down until somebody has the guts and courage to stand up against the bully. When one state does it, other states are going to do it. And we're going to see a domino effect over the course of these United States. And I don't think we're going to see all of them turn over that way, but I think we'll get a good number. And I think it will give people a, a choice to live in uh, free states once again. And everybody has choice, right? If you don't like where you live, just move. <laughs> go somewhere else, right? Just move. Yeah, you don't like this state, go to another one. It's yeah. fine. That's the beauty of it all. Yeah. Well, DeSantis is doing pretty good, isn't he? He's doing pretty good stuff. I think Ron DeSantis has done an extraordinary job, and I honor that man. I look forward to working with him in the endeavor uh, that we're standing, and I believe that he can do more, but I also think he needs backup. You know, right now, he's kind of out here running the um, Tenth Amendment stance kind of alone. He's, he's, he's isolated himself by his courageous stand, and that is gutsy. It's very honorable. And we have seen all hell break loose against him, trying to attack him. But he's still standing. Mm. But what, can you imagine Governor Sherwood standing next to him, Governor DeSantis, two or three other governors standing up and saying no? I mean, it would build a momentum, Patrick, that would be unsurpassed, that we have not seen in probably 248 years. Well, our guy, Abbott, he seems like a reasonable guy, but he has his moments, you know, kind of love him, you know. <laughs> He's not all yeah. the way. He's not all the way there yet. He's not. Yeah, there's more he can do. Yeah, and, um, there's more. He can you know, do. I don't. I don't know the man, but I look forward to working with him as well. And I, I suspect, and I know a lot of people from your your state of Texas. You know, we're the same man. We're the same. Yeah. Cut in the same cloth. We are Americans. We're 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 constitutional loving Americans, and and it doesn't matter. Um, Republican or Libertarian, we love this country. We love people, and we have got to 
stand together. And frankly, the whole party system and politics is ruining this country. Yeah. And I wish we didn't have that, but we do, unfortunately. Well, uh, somebody who's going to probably stay here in Texas will be great having you next door doing good stuff. <laughs> yes, sir. And you can come north across I, that river. That's right. And you can have a lot of good times over here. It's well, good. I, I've driven through uh, Oklahoma to go to. Uh, my hometown, St. Louis, you know, up there, and then 44. Uh, yeah. And it's a beautiful state, Oklahoma. Man, it's really it's awesome. And, you know, you have some really good value prices, too, for real estate. Uh, yeah, you can to, buy a lot of house for yeah, a little money. Yeah, compared to Texas. It's crazy here. Yeah. Man, it's like it's, uh, prices keep going up every time you turn around <laughs> in Texas. Yeah. And you've got, you've got a lot of water up there, too, a lot of lakes, right? Yeah, you know, lakes, a lot of good agriculture. And, and it's like Texas and Oklahoma, both. These are great states that can work together. Um, they could become energy, agriculturally, economically independent from the federal mm. government um, contribution. And I think that's the start to get our republic back the way it's supposed to be. Mm. Well, uh, all the best to you. I hope you win. Um, Thank have you. Have you heard anything from Donald Trump? I mean, does he know of you or he supports you? Yeah, or anything? He, he actually is. Um, I never met the man. Um, I look forward to meeting him one day. Um, this is me personally. I have not went out there to seek endorsements myself. I've got a bunch of them, great ones. But I went out there with the mission to represent the people, and if the endorsements came, I wanted them to come, not because I was asking for them, but because they saw character and quality and wanted to be a part of what we got going on. Oh, that's great. You're far too honest to be a politician, man. <laughs> That's why I'm not a politician. I'm a statesman. There you go. <laughs> far too honest to be a politician. <laughs> Godspeed. Thank you. Thank you very much. Patrick, thank you. I appreciate you for having me, man. It's been an honor. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Dr. Mark Sherwood, what do you think? Huh? Man, pretty cool guy, huh? I thought so. Yeah, I'm going to move to Oklahoma if he wins. Um... <laughs> right up the road okay uh, I'm going to give this little guy a little rest here and we will see you um, on Friday and I'm sure I'm sure we'll have the voice back by then so I can whisper you know and uh, do this thing I don't know what happened but you know okay I love you all thank you take care and we'll see you Friday okay bye bye from the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.